Welcome to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. I'm Jimmy Page. Today's episode is part two with Clay Martin as we continue the conversation about self-defense and the importance of community connections. Here we go. Yeah, don't go into the bunker. Instead, you're going to have to create and, and contribute. And I think this idea of community is, is probably the most important thing that we're learning. And there's, I think there are some natural occurring communities like the church community. I think of the faith right. community that I'm part of. Um, my gosh, the network of people in our town around the churches is mm-hmm. by the tens of thousands. Right. So you kind of already have some built-in structures where you can go where you, you share the same values and you can, you know, coordinate some of your efforts in order to really thrive through this stuff. Well, the churches are one of the most valuable communities in this country, and here's why. So the the forces, uh, the enemy forces, if you will, basically took over educational institutions, government institutions, all this stuff. And they've been doing it for 50 years. They, they've infiltrated, spread, and destroyed. Yep. And so like 10 years ago, it, it almost looked like they fell in on ready-made infrastructure. They kind of did. The yeah. only thing that we have that's really organized to combat that is the church structure. Mm. Uh, that's that's it. And if you yeah. could if you could organize those those churches in that way, yeah. well, we would have a bulwark. Uh, it's yeah. just it has to be done first. And isn't that interesting that in the First Amendment, <clears throat> we talk about religion, we talk about speech, we talk about assembly, you know, all those things. It's it's the first and greatest, and I think it will end up being one of those liberties that ends up sustaining us and, and allows us to come back after all this craziness happens. Right. No, it makes total sense. It makes absolute sense. Well, I remember in the in the earliest days of uh, my conversations with my wife, uh, who's amazing. She's an amazing leader in person. She survived cancer and now she has an organization wow. that helps other people survive and thrive. So it's amazing. But we used to have these conversations about having firearms in the house. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I remember, you know, a lot of people are afraid of it. A lot of people right. didn't grow up with it. They're afraid yeah. of it. They don't believe that that guns can be handled safely. They view it as something that's really, really dangerous, which, of course, it is. Mm-hmm. But it's not so dangerous when you know how to handle it. Um, <laughs> right. And that's one of the it, it, of course, it's always lethal. There is that potential. It's like when I had motorcycles, we always used to say, hey, ride scared. You know, right. you should have a little bit of fear as you're riding so that you don't do something stupid that ends up catastrophic. The same is true with a gun if you know how to handle it. Well, we had these conversations. I believed that I had a duty to be able to, to defend my family against the worst that could come against us. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as I said that, my wife was like, I understand that. If someone comes in with more firepower than we have and mm-hmm. I can't protect my wife or my kids, that's yes. a problem, right? That is a problem. Um, what, you know, what do you tell somebody that's afraid of guns or having them in their house, mm-hmm. you know? A lot of a lot of times, and this is, this is going to sound maybe sexist, but a lot of times women are more afraid because gun, guys naturally grow yes. up around guns. What do you tell somebody who's afraid of that? <clears throat> well, this goes back to th- this conversation has gotten a lot easier in the last two years than, yeah. than it was before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Prior to that, you're like, mm, I got nothing for you. Now, yeah. now it's kind of self-evident. Um, mm. But you're right. I mean, and I get it. Uh, I really get that it's, it's a scary thing, and it should be. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like you said, you know, you dress for the crash, not for the ride. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. I mean, your kitchen knives are scary, too. I mean, they can do yeah. just as much damage uh, and you learn how to use those. Uh, mm-hmm. Your car can be just as dangerous. I mean, if you yeah. gave a caveman a car, like it would be terrifying. You know, yeah. He'd crash <laughs> it or kill himself in the first five minutes. That's true. You just had to treat a gun the same way. Yes, yeah. they are dangerous. Yeah. So a lot of things that we do in life. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, it, 
I'm with you. It's a responsibility. Yeah. Uh, and as long as somebody can understand that as long as you are trained properly and you show mm-hmm. that weapon the respect that it, it, it uh, deserves, deserves, yeah, then, then yeah, it's absolutely safe. It can be made safe. Yeah. Well, it's amazing the transition that has happened from those days with those conversations now to being fully prepared from a defense from that type of defense perspective to now uh, she's she's after me. Bring me to the range this week. You know, when are we going to the range? My, my daughter is proficient. You know, like all my sons are. My daughter is proficient. You know, her favorite, I, I don't know if I should say this, but her favorite gun is my SIG 45. She nice. loves it. Nice. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, we've created a monster. But what I love about that is they all can handle the gun in a safe matter, mm-hmm. uh, manner. They can, they can make a dangerous gun safe. They can disarm mm-hmm. it. They can verify that. And yeah. we, they know how to secure it in the home. So I think there's yeah. some really great things about that. Well, it goes back to a lot of it is is training, and it you know a, a lot of this I think is is easier to accept depending on where you grew up in the country. Like uh, in my family, we got rifles at eleven. That was when you got right. like your rifle and you kept it in your bedroom, and you know there's some right. bullets and yeah, and but you were expected to do so safely. Yeah, uh, and th- that's fairly common for for swaths of the country. There's a lot where it's not though. I mean, there's a yeah. lot anymore where it, where it's not. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. As as long as you've you've done the uh, the correct thing, somebody has a maturity of mind to be able to handle it. Yeah, that's no, that's absolutely the, the the way. Yeah, and it's funny because I I remember the the first days with my daughter taking her to the range, and for the twenty minute ride to the range, I would rever- review with her all of the safety procedures, all of the things that she needed to focus on, so that I got her in the right mindset when we yeah. got there to take it very seriously mm-hmm. and so that she would become proficient faster and it proved to, to work. That's awesome. Man. That's the, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. the, yeah, that's the way to do it. So, Hey, let me, let's, let's shift gears a little bit to your master checklist for defense. I really want to get to some specifics about the way people can start to think in terms of how do I go from where I am to getting, prepared. But before we get into the specifics, I want you to talk a little bit about mindset. You know, you talked about um, that people need to change their mindset to defense and organization and even how to get prepared. What do you mean by that? Okay. So we've got this problem. I say it from a military perspective of we've actually protected the people of this country too well since Mm. like 1941. we, We have done... Our military has been so strong and so capable that we've mostly kept people from having to actually worry about their own defense for that long. Now, there was a a period in the 70s where, like, if you lived in New York City or Chicago, like, maybe that wasn't true anymore. But people still since then have really relied on the police. We do have a great police force in this country, or we did until we defunded it. Uh, So for, I'm going to say probably at least 30 years, we've had this mindset of, I don't have to defend myself. Somebody will do that for me. I pay somebody to do that for me. Wow. Well, that is quite clearly no longer the case. Uh, so people that have never thought about it before are going to have to think about this new world that they live in post, you know, summer 2020, mm. where the police are not coming. All right. You have to be capable of defending yourself because no one is going to do it for you. Yeah. And that's a that's a big mindset shift. That's a I mean, that's a huge gear shift. Uh and there's a there's a lot you can get into that. Uh, you know, you yeah. can read some of the uh, you know, books like On Killing. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, this guy named uh, Selko that was a Bosnian war survivor. Mm. Uh, that uh, where was he at? He's in one of the major cities over there. Mm. But he talks about he he has a, he spent a lot of time talking about his own mindset of how he shifted. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the mentality you have to take. You have to accept like responsibility for your own defense. I like that because I think at some points I, I always tell people, hey, no one is coming to save you. Right. You know, yeah. like right. I would like to live in a society where you would think that you would have that protection, but you just don't. No one's coming. And I think it does shift. I've become much more serious and much more prepared as I go about my own community because mm -hmm. it, it um random things can happen or at least right. things that feel random and they they usually don't happen in the environments that you think that are dangerous they mm -hmm. happen in the environments where you feel safe like the walmart parking lot right or like the the restaurant down the street think crazy things are happening in everyday life and people are unprepared so it's really helped me to shift my mindset for sure well that's good i mean it's it's uh i mean you, you could even look at you know the the, the mass shootings and, and churches or like all this oh. stuff like this is all indicative of you have to you have to start taking care of yourself now yeah that's right okay so let's let's um talk a little bit more about this community-based approach um i'm gonna ask you a couple specific things one sure. is how do you find like-minded people in your community who get it without you turning into the fanatic you know <laughs> I mean, like <clears throat> anyway. Man, honestly, that is the million dollar question. That is that is by far the hardest part. Uh, it, it really is. It's extremely difficult. Uh, also, you know, as we pointed out, like that, those people have to be in your community. It can't be an online community. Uh, you right. can't go, you know, have a Twitter feed or some Facebook group or something. Uh, it's not a terrible idea to maybe start a Facebook group, but it needs to be closed and only to available to local people. Mm. Uh, I mean, we've got a, a huge advantage here where I live. Uh, we've got a huge Second Amendment foundation uh, that is uh, basically been formed by somebody else. Mm. And uh, their their whole job is to, uh, I mean, they sit in the, uh, the legislative uh, offices every day. But that also filters down into making like a, a very much, we have a, a monthly meeting here. So I go to that meeting mm. right now and, you know, pick up 10 or 15 people that are already thinking the same way. Fantastic. The, the only other way for people in, in normal life uh, I, I've been big actually on, uh, you know, going to uh, like, uh, you know, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu gyms uh, or your mm. local shooting sports foundation, mm. uh, shooting some matches, that kind of thing. That'll just about always get you into the uh, group of some like minded people. Um, other than that, you know, just kind of feeling people out where you work yeah. or, uh, or or your social circles or, you know, church for that matter. Yeah. I mean, church actually has a huge advantage there. And if you're tight with the uh, the pastor, I mean, there's nothing wrong with asking him to, you know, address it from the pulpit. Like, hey, yeah. what, are we, what are we doing here? Uh, which yeah. goes back to that, you know, ready-made defensive community. And I love that. And I think that for me, <clears throat> as a person of faith, as a belief, as a Christian, I want to make sure that the people I'm surrounding myself with share <laughs> the same values. <clears throat> because there is a danger of of getting involved with groups that might be fringe groups. And I'd rather yeah. it be like, hey, no, these are upstanding people in our community. These are people right. that you know, um, that you can trust. How important right. is trust in this in building community? Man, there's a there's a big piece. I can't remember. It's it's, it's a, either concrete jungle or prairie fire. One of the first things you need to do is weed out the weirdos. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you I mean you've got to be very aggressive about that. Anybody mm. that's talking about machine guns or oh. making suppress bombs and these other or just espousing like crazy ideas, like they need yes. to go like right yes. now. Yes. Uh, yeah. Next thing you know, you're trying to, you know, kidnap the governor of Michigan. Like none of that's good. All right. None of that. <laughs> yeah. None of that. And that that is one of the problems, though, with these things that we're trying to build. They do attract to some degree the disaffected and the weirdos. Uh, yeah. Another another way to counteract that is to, uh, you know, keep it very professional and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, state your goals up front. This is what we're trying to do. This is why we're doing it. 
And, uh, and as those people, if they start going off the rails, I mean, you do, you have to shove them away and uh, yeah. don't let them come back. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, about securing our homes, right? So kind of there's a home base defense mm -hmm. and then there's the broader community defense. Right. You know, how, what are some ways that we can evaluate our current home situation so that we can take steps to secure our homes? Securing our homes is extremely difficult. Uh, in, well, let me rephrase that. Securing it, if I'm occupying it, it's not hard at all. Securing mm. it, like when I'm away for like my possessions and my stuff, that's a whole different animal. And that's much, much more difficult. Mm. Uh, the easiest way to, to look at it from a defensive perspective is actually, you know, go outside and stand in the street in front of your house. Think about how would I attack this or how would I break into this to, uh, to steal things uh, if that was my end state. And then think yeah. on the flip side of that, how would I stop it? Mm. Uh, I just saw uh, one of the other things that I like to do, uh, I, I consider it like research for, for just living my life is, uh, you know, I'll spend a little bit of time. I'll take, you know, 20, 30 minutes and go on YouTube and, uh, and look at crime, crime footage of stuff that's happened recently. It's not mm. really scary one from uh, California where uh, guys selling uh, girls got or person selling Girl Scout cookies and like <clears throat> gets all involved gets the person all involved with their hands in this interaction. And then three more guys come around the corner and like bum rush them. And uh, it's like a home invasion. Wow. Uh, so having seen that now, like everybody can be a little bit more aware of that. Yeah. And uh, th this goes back to that tinfoil hat thing. I, I probably haven't answered the door without a gun in my hand in mm. 15 years. I mean, wow. that's just, that's just, that's wow. where we, that's the world we live in. It's uh, amazing. I, um, it I remember when I was operating health clubs uh, years and years ago, I would I would have um, I would have off duty police officers come out and do an audit of our facilities because nice. we were in an area that was kind of growing in conflict, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. And they analyzed it literally from the from the oh, parking awesome. lot to the back door. I mean, it was crazy. And they they gave me a report, a list of all the areas that we were vulnerable and then what he would do about it. So we ended wow. up contracting with him is fascinating. There must have been 20 vulnerabilities. Um, mm -hmm. And then we ended up contracting with them to, you know, to offer different services. But it would that be helpful? Like, could could you contact your local police and say, hey, can you evaluate our home? Is there is there a way that you can evaluate our vulnerabilities? It, if they've got time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's a great thing for like a business. Uh, if you can catch mm -hmm. them off duty. Yeah. I mean, that'd be the best, you know, 50, 100 bucks you ever spend. Yes. Uh, and then you know, also getting into the uh, the thinking like a, a criminal side of this, mm. uh, you know, that's going to help you a lot too. Uh, just looking at like if I was listen, a bad maybe guy. you can you think more like a criminal than I do. <laughs> like there's something happening here, <laughs> something's wrong, but that's okay. That's all right. I appreciate that. <laughs> I you know I'll take your advice on this one for sure. That's yeah. a, that's definitely like a criminals, cops, and soldiers tend to be like right here. Yeah, as, yeah. Because you see things, you see things similarly, and and what right. you're trying to do is prevent these these altercations, and I love that. So let's talk let's talk a little bit about steps and um, okay. the things yeah. that we can do. We don't have to go through all of them, but but right. I'll tell you on the website the resources are absolutely phenomenal, and I was really encouraged uh, to see a bunch of the things on there. Tell us about step zero. Step zero. <laughs> this is right. Step zero is like one of those things you're like, oh my gosh, what I had no idea. Step zero is where we had to step like all the way back. And this is actually something that's only or it's become a lot more aware uh, into my mind the last probably like three or four months of there are still a lot of people that like had no idea they were ever going to take care of themselves. And now they want to. 
Uh, yeah. And that's okay, man. Um, you know, yes. we're, we're gonna we're gonna help those people out too. A lot of people have actually abandoned like the major cities and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so when I think about something like that, I think about like a New Yorker specifically that probably never had like a car in their life, and now they 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 had to get out of the you know, the, the, and they moved to like small town America. Yeah, and they have no idea what they're doing. And like yes. I said, man, that's fine. We just got to yeah. help with that. So, yeah. so step zero for me was, uh, uh go get a, a hatchet, a roofing hatchet from home Depot, uh, because that's a okay, weapon. So wait, so hold on. Let's yeah. time out. So <laughs> when I read that, I'm like, dang, I'm so I'm unprepared. Like I felt prepared <laughs> and now I'm unprepared, but it's brilliant. Why, why something like that? Why, why a roofing hatchet? Roofing hatchet. <laughs> it's a club. We already, Every human being knows how to use a club already. It's short, so I can't overswing it and stick it in the roof uh, of my house like I could with a bat or something. Mm. It's also psychologically easier for me to use than it is an edged weapon with like a, a stab. There's a there's a thing you have to overcome to be able to do that. Uh, yeah. As well as it's not as dangerous. As a gun guy for like 30 years, I had to put myself back in the position of somebody that's never held one. And somebody that's never mm. held one before, they're probably more dangerous to themselves until they've had about two weeks of training. So that yeah. was why we, we went all the way back to the, uh, the the club. And that's also the cheapest option I could think of that's effective. <laughs> I love that. And is, is it similar to like, uh, you, you know, using something like a hammer, something exactly. like that? It is. It's a hammer on one side and it's a, basically a hatchet edge on the other. Uh-huh. I recommend Vaughn's Made in America. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I like... think that's important, baby. Let's go. <laughs> one of the things that, about that is, you know, one of the drawbacks is you have to get in proximity to someone, yes. right? And Yes, you do. Yep. Which is one of the reasons that I'm always, you know, when I went through my gun safety training classes, et cetera, mm-hmm. I remember them saying the rule of 21, right? That right. if someone's within the tw- a 21 foot perimeter of you, they can get to you before mm-hmm. you can get your gun and fire. Right. And that was an eye opener. They demonstrated that in class, how much uh, space someone can can cover in three seconds. It's like, boom. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. nuts. Yeah. So there, there are some drawbacks, but at least you have something that you can defend. Where would you yes. keep something like that in your home? Obviously, you're not going to have it in your garage because it won't be available right, to it's you. Not available. I, I'd keep it in the nice stand or I'd keep it right by the front door. Um, and, and again, that was for people that like have absolutely no idea what they're doing. If you've shot a gun like twice yeah. in your life, you're, you don't need that step. But if you yeah. if you got nothing, that's that's something. I think it's helpful. I think it's super helpful. Um, do you. So let's talk about step one. Uh, step one is some kind of non-lethal training. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, I, again, this was for like the I've never touched a gun. People I yep. actually recommended they get an airsoft gun first. Yeah. Uh, and airsoft guns actually are amazing. Uh, the, yeah. the modern ones, I mean, they're crazy. They're, they, they look just yeah. like a real gun. The little, little slide moves just like a real gun. Yes. The triggers feel very similar. Uh, and I recommended that somebody go with that because you can spend then the requisite hours to like basically learn how to handle a firearm with yeah. very minimal chance of an accident. I mean, yeah. if you if you shoot yourself from this far away with an airsoft gun, it's going to hurt a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But it probably is not going to require a trip to the hospital and it's certainly not going to blow your finger off. Right. And more importantly, it's not going to go through the wall and hit one of the neighbors. <laughs> so that was, uh, that's kind of an, an un, uh, unorthodox step, but that's where I recommend yeah. people go to next. Get one of I, those. Get, you know, I get think that's brilliant. One. Yeah. I yeah. think it's brilliant. And you know, my kids, my kids grew up with those. They loved them. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. amazed at how realistic they were. Oh, it's wild. Isn't it? I mean, <laughs> It's like, wow, you know, you the orange tip on that's really important so that you yeah. can identify that that's not legit, you know? 
Well, this blue tucker's mind actually had to tell him this story too. Are, are you aware that there's a guy, and I, I'm gonna, I can't remember his name. He was a Japanese guy. He'd only ever shot airsoft guns. He came over to the United States, trained for a month on real guns, and then won the Steel Challenge back in 2008. How yeah. is this? It's amazing. That tells you something, right? It's amazing. Yeah, it is absolutely amazing. Not a lot of people know that story, but yeah, he beat up all the professionals. Uh, unbelievable. Won this. Yeah, unbelievable. But there's a lot of value in a, in those airsoft guns, uh, and yeah. especially if you've never never shot a gun before. And yeah, especially if you don't want the expense of of uh, the rounds that you're going to put through oh, the yeah. ammunition. I mean, it right. is expensive to to practice. I, I just bought another five thousand rounds for my own airsoft guns. So I still I still train on them after all these years. Cheaper uh, than real like, ammo, right? Cheaper it was than like real tw- ammo. Twenty bucks for like <laughs> five thousand BBs and like three cans of gas. That's amazing. <laughs> well, that's, that's something amazing. I, that's I want to point out too. I've been a professional three gunner. I've been, uh, you know, soldier. All this stuff. I still have airsoft guns. I train on them at least once or twice a week. This is really encouraging. I think this is an inexpensive and realistic right. way to get into this and get yeah. get some training, get some reps. Uh, yeah, as far as cost goes, like nothing even comes close. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Okay, step two is to get get a real gun. Tell tell us about that. What, where would you start with that one? Okay. This one is a, is a little bit controversial. Uh, it, it, it depends on what you're prepping for. What do you think is going to be the problem? And I say for like 90% of this, that's still going to be street crime first, which means you're going to go to a pistol. Uh, pistols are not great to shoot. Uh, they're like probably at least 10 times, if not 20 times harder to shoot than a rifle. Mm. But... You know, that's the gun that you're always going to have on you. Uh, this is the gun you'll be able to carry to the store or out in the street yeah. if things get really spicy. And it's it's good enough for home defense. It's not great for home defense, but it's it's good enough. Yeah. So that's where you're going to kind of move to a, a, a real gun. And like I said, for most people, that's going to be a pistol. The, yeah. there, are, there are people that could get away with having a rifle instead. Like, I don't know if you live on a ranch in the middle of right. nowhere, like rifle all day long. Yeah, just a pistol's yeah. a boat anchor. Like, don't even bother. Yeah. But, for most people, it's going to be a pistol. Though. Isn't it funny that it wouldn't be your first, you're recommending it as kind of a first uh, step because that's what most people are going to do and be able to handle realistically. Yes, right. Um, but it wouldn't be your first choice because you're no. accomplished in, in different firearms. Yeah. Right. Right. So would you, uh, let's talk a little bit about securing that gun safely in the home. Would you, you know, what do you recommend as far as, is it in a safe? What does that look like? It depends if you have children or not. Uh, I think that's the that's the big that's the big difference. Uh, when I didn't have kids, uh, I had loaded guns like all over my house. Like it'd be one in a cereal right. box, like you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. I I absolutely cannot live that way anymore because I have small kids. Uh, yeah. So now I've got a a small bolt-in safe in the kitchen. Uh, they're like a hundred bucks. Uh, the ones I like are from uh, Hornady, and mm-hmm. so you know you just find a cabinet. And it's got a keypad on top. I walk up to it. I hit uh, four different numbers. It opens. There's my gun. Yep. So uh, if you're going to, I, I actually recommend that if you're going to, if you have kids in the home, you have one of those both on your nightstand and one somewhere like centrally located downstairs and you take the gun with you when you go to bed. That's great. Yeah. Because you don't want to have to go to another room. Right. To no, retrieve it's, just, it in it's too slow. Yeah. It's too slow. And you said earlier, you know, you don't answer the door without having your gun. I, it, so yeah. some people get freaked out by that. Like, oh, my gosh, he's bringing a gun. It's not like you're waving your gun around. No, no. It's it's it, always it's actually usually in my left hand because of the way my door opens. And I open the door like this. And uh, if, you know, if it's the FedEx guy, well, I'll just put that over here and, and deal with what I need to deal with. Yeah. If it's not. Well, I can still shoot at that range, and that's fine. And one of the great things today is a lot of times we've got cameras. We've got the ring doorbells. We've got other mm-hmm. cameras set up. So right. you can kind of relatively speaking, gauge right. what's happening. But but even then, you know, there's enough go, enough crazy going on out there with right. people 
impersonating delivery men and all the rest. And, you know, right. we, we have food brought to our house. We've got a lot mm-hmm. of different opportunities for people to come to our house. Right. So it's always helpful to be prepared, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. It's, I remember uh, when I first started uh, concealed carry mm-hmm. uh, or when I got the when I got my uh, certification to do it, my license to do it. You know, I didn't start I didn't carry. I didn't carry mm-hmm. for months unless I went into a situation where I thought, you know, it'd be helpful to have it here because I, you don't know what could happen. And then I, I read, you know, in some of my training, it said, hey, the biggest mistake that most people who can conceal do is they don't conceal. Right. And then I'm like, wow, okay, so I'm going to conceal all the time. Right. And when all the time. Mm -hmm. And some people will say even in your home. And I'm like, yeah, because if something happens, you have to be prepared. You don't want to be have to go somewhere to get the protection that you need. Right. A hundred percent. And look, there's a there's a thing that goes along with starting to conceal carry. Like, it's really scary, man. Uh, It is like you're sticking a loaded gun in your pants. uh, You know, that's scary in its own right. Yes. You don't feel even though you have a license to do or you're in a constitutional carry most people don't feel comfortable doing it you feel like yes. you're doing something wrong yes and uh, that's all normal and natural because i mean look man we didn't carry a gun most right. of us growing up like uh-huh. even me like uh, you know out in the country like we didn't carry a pistol to the store like we right. didn't do it so that's knowing that that's going to be a problem going into it you can you know kind of like start working it through mentally He's and yes you, you need to get to the point where you carry it all the time but you yeah. just understand that those things are those feelings are natural and normal yes you yes. just had to get over them first time i ever rode a motorcycle i felt the same way oh yeah uh, yeah yeah you know, right. took right. me it took me three months to feel comfortable on the bike like oh my gosh i'm not going to dump this thing and but with the gun too i truly believe that people if you're going to buy a firearm you must become proficient right. in its use in all it's, aspects. Yes, it's, it's part of the package. It, it, it yep. is. There's no point in having it if you're not going to train on it. Uh, and I, I remember with, with my wife, you know, getting over that hurdle, that fear, I told her, I said, I will become great at using this, at securing it, at making it safe, at disarming it, disman- taking it apart. I will become proficient so that you can be 100% confident that I can handle it safely. And she, that, that was, that was all she needed to hear. That's very important. And that, yeah, no, man, that's, that's great. That's a great attitude to have. And that goes back to that, having that, that fear and respect for that weapon probably drove yes. you to do that more than anything else. And yes. everyone needs to have that, you know? Yes, for sure. For sure. So tell and, and by the way, you know, we're talking about me having it, you know, my wife has a desire to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're talking about what does that look like? You know, what does that look like for her? Because there are so many bad things that happen to women. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no, I'm 100% with that. Uh, yeah, it's it's really scary for women. Uh, and we do need to to take care of them in that same same regard. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny. I remember, God, 20? That hasn't been that long. It's been close to that. 15 Years ago or so, mm-hmm. I went to uh, one of our, you know, contracted hand-to-hand combat guys. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this guy's, like, amazing, like, 37th degree fly, whatever. And, uh, you know, I was like, hey, man, I'd like to get some some stuff for my wife. And he's like, okay, well, like, send her over. And uh, the first thing that he went to, he's like, from moment one, knife. His, his philosophy is women cannot fight men. And he's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just one of those things that has to be accepted. 
I, I don't care what happens in the Marvel universe right now. I, yeah. I, I, women cannot fight men. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you could take like the women's UFC champion and she couldn't take most men in a fight. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's just how it works. It's, bi- it's biology. It's physiology. That's yeah, right. Exactly. So for women, uh, you really need to get them into a knife very, very soon. And, and mm-hmm. guns too. I mean, guns are obviously a great, great equalizer. Uh, but a knife needs to be there like step number one. Wow. Wow. That's that's news to me. Like that is news to me because I always I always hope to have distance. But the truth is, you don't always have distance. No, you don't. And, you know, not to be totally sexist either, but women actually tend to have and this is historically backed up by police, data and all this other stuff. Women tend to have uh, less distance than men do, because even though they shouldn't be, they tend to be more trusting and, and to some mm-hmm. degree less aware. Uh, so distance yeah. is definitely not on their side. So yeah, yeah they got to go, they got to go straight to the edge weapons. That's, that's helpful. Do you, so tell us a little bit about situational awareness, because in this whole thing, you know, you, we're going to live our lives in freedom, right? I'm, I'm more prepared. I'm more situationally aware. Tell us, tell us what are some of the key things that as you're going about your, your everyday life, how do you get situationally aware? <laughs> You know, it, it's funny. Did somebody ask you yet uh, because you carry a gun all the time and whatever else? Uh, what are you scared of? Yeah, nothing. I'm armed. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm right. armed with teeth, man. I'm not scared of anything. Right. Exactly. Uh, and, and that's the way you got to adopt it. Uh, yeah. Situational awareness. Now that one is extremely tough to kind of gain. Uh, is a. It's hard to to take that step back because I, you know, I've lived in a, a world where you had to have it. You know, yeah. Overseas doing weird stuff. Uh, I did actually one of the highest compliments I was ever paid as a, an instructor was when I was still in the army mm-hmm. and uh, we developed this course for guys that were doing kind of plain clothes work. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had all these guys going through it. And by like the third day, this captain comes up to me and he's like, you have made me incredibly paranoid. He's like, I can't go to the Seven Eleven anymore without, you know, casing the place. I'm like, that was the goal. That was yes. what I was trying to do. Yes. And we accomplished that by constantly like completely unfairly surprising these guys like yes. jump out of the closet when they're their lunch break and stab in the neck or something like that <laughs> you can work through a lot of those kind of same things uh, like with your kids uh you know mm. get them some nerf guns uh, I, mm. i'm big on uh kids should have nerf guns and not airsoft guns because airsoft guns are gonna be a training tool for real firearms mm-hmm. and uh you know keep some goggles by the front door and tell them it's game on anytime dad comes home uh-huh. uh that's great the, it's 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 it sounds ridiculous preposterous, but those kind of things will start, you know, increasing your awareness. Mm. When you go out, just having the mentality of, of looking around for, you know, who's the scumbag and who's, who's going to commit the crime, that stuff will start over time, you know, changing your brain. So it, it does mm. threat overlays everywhere. And that's, that is, a, that's very important too. Yeah. And I was just thinking, you know, it, first of all, it's an awareness, right? I, I've always heard, you know, keep your head up, you know, don't, right. don't keep your head in your phone and, and be distracted right. by something, but keep your head up. I, before I, this is going to sound ridiculous because I am prepared, but before I get out of my car, or out of my Jeep, I will look around and I'll just assess, you know, what's mm-hmm. happening. Who's where yeah. do I see anyone? And I tell my wife and my daughter to do the same thing. And my sons to do the same thing. Be aware of your surroundings, right? Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's hugely important. And, uh, yeah. you know, you don't have to take this to the point of like, you know, being a complete lunatic, you know, yeah. checking under your Jeep before you get back in there for car bombs yeah. and stuff. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, a joke. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're calling, me a, you're calling me a lunatic is what you're saying. <laughs> no, but uh, having that kind of awareness, that stuff is important. Yeah. And uh, working yeah. on it every day. I mean, 
honestly, I mean, that's one of the things like uh, they, they stress in sniper school. That's uh, mm-hmm. different than than this, but they're they're stressing us to constantly look for things, look for indicators. Yeah. Yeah. This is the same thing, only on like a personal violence scale. Yeah, and for, and for me, it's interesting. I feel a, a much higher level of freedom and security because I'm prepared, right? It's right. it's almost like you, um, it's like an athlete that drills and drills and drills until they do things unconsciously. Right. That's what we're kind of after, right? I, I want right. to be unconsciously prepared, right? Exactly, 100%. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly it, yeah. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit about, I know that step step 2A, step, you know, et cetera. Right, yeah, on and on, yeah, yeah. Our bigger, bigger guns, and I think this is right. important, right? A full-size pistol, and then magazines. You know, talk yeah. to us. Why is that the next step in this? Okay. Now, this is this is a, again an unorthodox belief. Uh, I say that the newest of the of the micro guns, which is specifically the Sprinkled Armory Hellcat, the Sig P365, and the yep. Glock 43X, I say that while those guns are are small and harder to shoot than a full size gun, they're actually good enough to stand alone. You could just have mm-hmm. one of those and be totally okay. That's right. Now. If you're going to get into the gun stuff, though, I, I will concede that a, a larger gun, like a full-size gun is what we call them, is is easier to shoot. Mm. Uh, certainly for things like uh, like home defense where, you know, milliseconds might matter. Yeah. Uh, it's much easier to play flashlights and all kinds of crazy stuff on those. I mean, they're bigger guns. There's more real estate to work with. Yeah. So, you know, not everybody has that kind of money. If you don't, just get the little gun, carry that one all the time. Mm. If you do, if you're going to spend a bunch of money on, on pistol ammo and, and learning how to shoot, Go ahead and get you a full-size gun, too. Uh, you know, be it a, I don't care what brand, you know, Sig, a Springfield, a Glock, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm big on have, like, you know, 10 magazines for it. Uh, that's five to train with and, uh, and five to keep kind of fresh. Uh, mm. It's not uncommon at all to, to carry, like, three magazines on you. Mm. Uh, a lot of that goes back to people underestimate or overestimate in a big way how lethal handgun rounds are. And the reality yeah. is, like, handgun rounds are awful at killing people. I mean, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're atrocious. Yeah. Uh, it goes back to, you know, doing a little bit of YouTube research. Go, go look at some police body cam uh, footage. There yes. was one yesterday of a guy taking two rounds of forty cal in the chest, and then he, he falls down, but only because he thinks he has to. And, like, 30 seconds pass, and he gets up and just bolts. <laughs> Unbelievable. Know? It's it's wild. Yeah. Handgun rounds are not very good at, at putting people down. So it's one of the things that really struck me when you talked about carrying multiple magazines. And mm-hmm. that's something that I'm going to reorient now, because I all yeah. of a sudden you're like, well, I've got 10, 10 rounds or whatever it is. Yeah. And you're like, that might not be enough, depending upon the situation you're in. So it very well. Right. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say, you know, I, I believe in like the levels of awareness. I don't carry a reload every yeah. day. I don't carry a spare magazine every day. If I'm going somewhere that things might be a little, you know, a little wilder, I will. But most days yeah. it's just the one in the gun. But, mm-hmm. you know, I also live in Mayberry for all intents and purposes. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, if I lived in Chicago, I'd probably have, you know, soft armor, you know, three or four magazines, <laughs> uh, you know, a, an ankle gun for some reason. Right. You know? right. It is crazy what, you know, the the differences in the environments, right? And right. so, all right. So I'm going to bring up a topic that everybody gets crazy about because they've been told that these guns are weapons of war. Okay. And oh, you know, oh, my favorite. AR-15, <laughs> AR-15, weapon of war. Can you debunk that myth and tell us what an sure. AR-15, why it's important? An AR-15 is not a weapon of war. It's way better than any of the weapons of war I have. I mean that because our AR-15s are so much better than the government, you know, garbage rifles that we that we all have. Is that right? Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Oh man. Oh so much Come better. Come on. 
No, That's oh crazy. man, I, I would take my any one of my semi-auto air that I own over my government issued M4 like twice on Sunday. No Unbelievable. Question. No question. So much more accurate. So much better. Oh my it's, a, it's an insult to call my AR-15 a weapon of war. Like, I'm just <laughs> trash. Like, it's garbage. That's, <laughs> That's great. I love it. You know, people get upset about that one. Uh, and uh, the, the industries also have tried to turn around and defend it. We'll call these a modern sporting rifle or it has a hunting purpose. Like, no, it doesn't. Like, mm. But I don't care. Yeah. That yeah. is the tyranny defender. Yeah, it's a weapon of war. Yeah. Mm. That's why I bought it. Yeah. And it, what I, I was struck by with the AR-15 is, um, and I've seen some some documentaries of people that were anti-gun that went in, tried a whole bunch mm-hmm. of different things from pistols to AR-15s, et cetera, right. with their wives. Mm-hmm. And the AR-15 was by far the weapon of choice for women. Oh, yeah. Because oh, man. it's so oh, easy. Yeah. It's so accurate. It it's easy to handle. They were, they right. were shocked at yeah. how easy it was to operate. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that goes back to like a rifle is like 10 times easier to shoot than a pistol. Like, yeah, yeah. you give somebody a, a rifle with a red dot, like even with like no training, they can't miss to about 20 yards. Like, it's yeah. great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Well, and recently I was uh, I got a CZ Scorpion, which is a pistol. Nice. With nice. the brace. Tell it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like all of a sudden that became my my preferred home defense weapon. Because okay. it's so easy to handle. Right now, I, I don't hate it. I yeah. don't hate it. Uh, the only thing that I have against, like the, uh, we call them pistol caliber carbines, yep. is because they still shoot a handgun round. Now, right. with that longer barrel, they are getting a little bit more velocity. So they actually are a little bit more lethal, uh, mm. you know, to some degree, some kind of yep. uh, immeasurable degree. Uh, so, I mean, I don't, I don't hate them, but uh, they make AR pistols that are chambered for a rifle round that are, you know, roughly the same size. Uh, wow. So that's that's definitely something to think about. Uh, yeah. And this is going to blow your mind. Guess what recoils less? An AR-15 that's the same length as that CZ Scorpion or the CZ Scorpion? Uh, it's got to be the AR-15, right? It is only because uh, uh, almost all pistols have uh, blowback design. So yes. they actually, even though it's a, a smaller cartridge, they actually recoil harder. It's, it's weird. It's very so weird. So the caliber that I'm firing out of my AR-15 is significantly larger than what I have in my CZ Scorpion. But because of that design, the kickback is is far less on the AR-15. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's weird. It's, it's also hard to grasp. You almost have to shoot them side by side because the mm. AR-15 is louder. So people associate that with recoil. But if you actually like put them in a vice and uh, yeah. some kind of measuring device... The AR-15 actually does recoil less. It's it's, it's wild. It's, it's really amazing. It it's is. amazing. So let's do this. Let's um, first of all, your master checklist is amazing, and Thank you. obviously, you know, there's like level, there's like a introductory level. Then there's the mm-hmm. 201, 301. Then there's kind of this master's program. Hey, if you want to be all in, these are you know you go all the way through the list. What what would you tell somebody if you if you had you know three minutes to tell somebody how best to get prepared what are the one two three things that you would tell that person hey here's how you get started okay community uh find some friends that are into this stuff that's also going to help you hugely with with expertise there's probably be somebody there that like knows some stuff listen to them uh number two get yourself armed and get the mindset to be able to use it uh because that's going to be important number three all right start thinking about long-term problems that we've never had to face before uh food fuel all those kinds of things. And what can I realistically do to mitigate those problems? Mm. That's good. I think that's going to be a real encouragement. And I think I love the fact that you started with community and mindset. It's the, the fact most that important. you're going to need other people around. You got to uh, have it. 
in order to, in order to really not only survive, because right, we want to survive, of course, any right. conflict we have, but we really want to come out the other side thriving, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. one other thing I I almost forgot. Um, I have co- my kids are a little bit older. Uh, mm-hmm. th- you know, s- uh, three of them are grown adults, et cetera. But um, if, if you have kids that are at college or that are in other parts of the country, is it smart? Do you recommend having a game plan to kind of come together in one location oh, if you can? What does that look like? Yeah, no question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and it may go so far as to because uh, you know a lot of kids are in college and stuff. If they're still living yep. on campus, there's there's not a lot of things they can have access to. Yep. It's worth it to uh, to have that twenty dollar a month storage facility off campus somewhere that maybe mm-hmm. you keep some stuff in uh, to help them get yep. home. Uh, yeah, you got to have a plan to to get them. Uh, I believe in that firmly. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I cannot imagine leaving one of my children out there hanging. Uh, oh my gosh, it's got really bad. Like I'm not doing it. So yeah, yeah having a having a, a plan to get them or to get them back home. Yes, yeah, you got to have that. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was just thinking about what if what if they can't get gas? What if they the GPS right. is down and they and they mm-hmm. need to use a map? Right. Uh, you know, there's kind of those contingency pro, uh, problems that you got to deal with, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, uh, you know, a lot of that depends on, you know, how far away they are. But, you know, yeah. I, I keep 40 gallons of gas with stable in it uh, in my storage shed. That'll get me wow. a, a very long ways. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if uh, if and they, they may have to, you know, be a, a plan where they walk some distance away from where they are and then you pick them up in a car. I mean, right. Yeah. You, you've got to you got to red sell that and think it through, though. That's very important. That's good. I think that's helpful. I mean, I think that what I love about what you're doing is you're helping people get prepared for some hard times that may come that, you know, we can anticipate are relatively likely to come. And here's the other thing is if they don't, fantastic. Thank God. Right. You know? yeah. I, I, I would take me a lot that for the next four years to be wrong on this. I would love that. I, I'd be very happy about it. Exactly. And I, I absolutely recommend that people get your those two books that we talked about. Because I think that they will, you know, they'll help people to think differently. You know, The Concrete Jungle jungle and The Prairie Fire, those are two books that are world class. Visit the website, uh, claymartindefense.com. Is that right? That's right. And there's tons more resources there. Hey, man, thanks so much for investing so much time with our audience. And this is really going to be helpful. And we're going to make you available to this group over time for events and trainings as well. Awesome. I appreciate it, Jimmy. Had a great time today. You're the man. You're the man. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) Thanks, brother.